Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today I'm so excited to be talking to Jesse May Lee all about the second season of Netflix's Shadow and Bone. And in starting off, obviously going into the first season, there were so many elements of world building visually, and you probably didn't have that much of an idea conceptually what a lot of scenes that you were performing in were going to look like on the fantasy side of things. And, you know, even things like how you were harnessing your power, which you really thought about the physicality, you didn't know what the effects were going to look like afterwards. <laughs> and so going into the second season, how has that changed a lot of elements and a lot of aspects? Because even something like, you know, commanding the light and, and those aspects for Alina, I imagine are so different now with just that sense of of comfort and knowledge that you have at this point. Yeah, you're so right. I think, yeah, first season, I I really didn't know what we were making, like truly. Um, Because, you know, know, it's YA fantasy, but you don't know, like, I guess what I wasn't sure about was was the tone of it and things like that. And so I think coming back into season two and being like, okay, this is the show we're making. These are the people who watch it. This is, you know, these are the people who are super, super excited about it. Um, and you're having met loads of fans of the show and things like that. That all kind of helped, you know, get back into it, essentially. Um, but yeah, all the magic stuff, because I remember in season one, I had such a different idea um, of how it was going to look. So then when you actually watch it, it's like, oh, OK, you went with that thing. You know, I remember very, very specifically um, in season one, you know, a lot of Alina's light stuff I was imagining sort of like shooting beams like torches almost um but then actually what they came what they ended up going with was the you know these orbs of light and things like that so that was really interesting to to see because obviously when I'm I was doing something different in my mind so knowing what the effects will look like completely changed how I approach these these magic um these magic parts of it and that is doing the magic stuff is is wild you know (laughs) just we all get into you know giggles about it quite a lot because you know you're doing such crazy shit (laughs) you're just doing such mad things and it's it's genuinely so exhausting doing all of the the physicality of like having to draw energy from like within you know it's a real it's actually a bit of a workout and and I think the thing that I was quite happy with was the fact that you know friends who'd watched the show and things they sort of then when we're then talking about it and I'm like it's mad for me to think that you were just standing there in front of a green screen you know because it, 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 it feels real and I was like well that's that's the main thing isn't it if, if, it, if you don't question it then we're doing our job properly with the magic stuff so it was definitely I learned a lot between the two seasons um and obviously Alina's magic kind of takes on a different feel to it in the second season there's so much more about pain and trauma than there was in the first season so that was another thing another layer added to the you know building on this magic stuff so yeah it was it was it was tricky but but really fun that that idea of tone that you were touching upon is quite interesting as well because in this season one of the other aspects at play is you have all these scenes with Ben Barnes as Kirigan but they're not set in in the present reality there's kind of like a meeting of minds where those are existing and so did you think about the the tonality of scenes like that? Or how did you specifically find how the two of you wanted to play those moments? Well, yes. Yeah, so the, the relationship between those two characters is so different from how it is in the books. And I think in the books, there's still, there's a lot more, I mean, obviously with, with the show, it's a big ensemble show and you've got to have enough time for everyone. So, um, you know, a lot of Alina's story got kind of cut down. Um, and they, I think they they decide, they made the decision, the decision um, that Kirigam's be more of like an out and out antagonist 
um, rather than in the books, where there's a little bit more kind of, oh, what's going on? Is there there's still a bit of spice going on between them? There's, you know, there's more of a romantic feel to it in a way in the books. Um, so they wanted to steer away from that, which I thought was an interesting choice. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, it was so it was it was so funny to go from the Kirigan Alina of season one to then these complete arch nemesis, you know, these two people. Um, because a lot of the time, um, you know, it, it was it was quite interesting. So I remember reading the scripts and especially in the first two episodes, when Alina and Kirigan meet each other in these sort of dreams. It was it was an interesting concept because, you know, the first time we see Kerrigan, he's in Alina's dream. And he doesn't have the scars because it's her memories. And so much of it is like it's not real. And then the bit when Alina's in Kerrigan's dream and she's in her black kefter and she's behaving more like he it does. You know, that was quite interesting to play because it was like, oh, OK, so not only are these two meeting in this sort of weird mind palace thing, but also you had to take into consideration that this is going on in Alina's subconscious and this is going on in Kirigan's subconscious. So there were subtle changes between the dynamic of those two scenes as well. So yeah, it was really interesting um, doing a lot of that. And, and it was great because it still meant that even though the characters aren't the same physical space, me and Ben were. So it was nice we got a lot of time to spend together as well, which is which is really fun. Because I was worried. I was thinking, oh, does that mean we're not going to be, I'm not going to be working with Ben so much this season? But actually we had a lot of scenes together. So that was great. With, with what you're bringing up in regards to the, the costumes there as well, there's, there's really wonderful ways in which detailing and tiny minute elements of, of the costumes really track the different relationships. And like you said, even the version of is she in his space or is he in her space in terms of that, yeah. that kind of dreamscape space, um, you know, and even if it's just little inflections of gold or black and, you know, the relationships with Nikolai and Mal also feel very charted through Alina's costumes. And so how do a lot of those external elements really help you as you're navigating through and, and charting a lot of the trajectory for your character? Yeah, the, the costume designer, Wendy, she's she's incredible. She she's every costume has so much detail. A lot of what she did in, in season two was there's a lot of like color matching, which was, which was really nice because you have, you know, you've got like the twins and their matching colors. And then you have Mal and Alina starting off this season when they are more having a nice time together. And they're both in these matching sort of like rust and teal um outfits which Mal then wears for the rest of the season but which in a way is quite nice because it shows that Mal's just consistently the same but Alina changes so much through the season so that, like you mentioned she um there's then like another shared kind of costume with with Nikolai you know when she gets into her um second army leader uniform so yeah it, it's it's funny I don't think you realize until in the costume like how much how much it does affect your performance um, and that's why we're just so lucky to have such an amazing costume team. I loved going to the costume department. It was just like running around and looking at all the new costumes and all the like Ketterdam ones I'd never seen before. Um, and there's so much storytelling in the costumes that, you know, you can't ignore that. It's, it's, it's so, so very well done. Yeah. One of the other aspects that I wanted to, to talk about a little bit is the element of tension for Alina, because she's a character who really holds so much inside of herself. And I've heard you talk a little bit about the, the physical aspect of even just physically holding that tension in a very different place in your body. And so I wanted to ask you about where, where in your body and where in your muscles you feel like you really kind of capture that essence of it for her. 
Yeah, I think it, it was it was so interesting because I'm quite I'm I'm quite a sensitive person. I feel like my nervous system is very high frequency, um, and you know, so I tend to sort of tense up and things, but in very different places. And I feel like there was like a part of my back that I don't normally ever feel, even. But I come back from work, and it was something about this. I think with Alina, you know, because I I did a lot of you know character work for her which you know I hope comes through in the show I mean obviously we have little time with her and in lots of ways but you know I think the where you know this 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 need for her to sort of curl up and and kind of hide away from things that's so ingrained in in sort of the backstory that that I created for her and was in the writing already um so it's interesting it's sort of this like this sort of this hunching but then also having to sort of like she's trying so hard to not do that and to be strong and powerful so it's all this like constant kind of like push pull in the body um and just the fact that you know although in season two you know Alina is so much more powerful and she's more self-assured and things on the surface I think like what was important to me was that it felt that she's she's trying you know she's really trying to be like authoritative she's really trying to be all these things um, and it was it genuinely I think it, it's it's mad I think when you spend so much time as someone else um, how much it can really physically affect you and, and being Alina in season two had a massive had a massive effect on my um, my physiology um, my, my whatever <laughs> my physiology I can't even say the word that thing <laughs> with with what you're talking Mythology. about there in terms <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with what you're talking about there as well in terms of, of character work obviously the first season's the deepest dive because you're really figuring out everything from scratch and and so given that you were touching upon that was there character work and details that you wanted to kind of dive into and, and really map out for her differently this season or was it really just about building upon the foundation of everything that you'd already created in your performance yeah, I think it was definitely wanted to build upon what there already was um, because, you know, she went on a bit of a journey in season one and she starts off as such a, you know, I really wanted, because I think a character like Alina, you know, she's a reluctant, frightened, you know, like, I, 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 I don't belong here, don't look at me. It's quite hard to make that character likeable um, and it's quite hard to to when someone is so closed off, um, it's quite difficult to then also, but then also show enough at the, the audience understanding like what she's going through. Um, so yeah, I think we built up like an interesting ending for her for season one. Um, and then it was just all about adding to it. And, you know, so much of, like I mentioned, the, the themes for season two, a lot of it was about trauma and overcoming trauma. Um, and so I felt it was really, important that that felt legit you know and it's, it's tricky as well because obviously you know I was at the time thinking well you know at the same time this is a fun fantasy show um and you know it's not like a gritty character study um so it's kind of like fighting against your the impulse to sort of you know give this performance that feels very real but then also I'm thinking in the back of my mind well is this going to read in this context and, and that kind of thing um but yeah, I think I think it was I really liked what happened with Alina because, you know, it, just in terms of I, I'm so fascinated by people, like by human beings and and how we end up how we are. And I see Alina so much as a real person who has been ostracized, who's never believed in herself. Um, 
and so of course that she's going to be spiky and you know difficult and you know so it it, it was it was interesting because I still was then always in the back of my mind thinking yeah, but are people still people still gonna like her <laughs> you know um but hopefully I, I I feel like you know there's a couple of scenes where we actually get a moment to like sit with Alina and her feelings and her thoughts and those are my favorite to film because you know it's it's nice to have a moment just to like see into this very closed off characters in a world um so yeah those scenes are really really great and so well written um so that was super exciting doing those bits and with what you're talking about there in terms of of her always keeping a lot of her emotions under the surface and some of the challenges that come to that what's great though is that we do get the opportunity to see what it looks like when she does gradually open up a little bit of herself to people you know I think Patrick Gibson's character Nikolai is the perfect example of at the beginning she doesn't trust him at all she's not allowing him to see anything beyond the facade and then by the end they have this real sense of emotional trust with one another there's a closeness there's a genuine friendship and so as you're developing dynamics like that and relationships how do you determine for her how much of herself is she going to allow to the surface how much is she going to allow her feelings to be seen and what are the aspects that she's still always just going to keep under the surface for herself Yeah, I see Alina as like, she's one of these people who I think that that fear of, you know, something that, that I myself as well like struggle with, like fear of rejection, you know, especially if you if you felt rejected a lot, which, you know, in my mind, this character spent her whole life being rejected by everyone. Um, and I think what was going through my mind with Nikolai was that even though he gets her heckles up at first, you know, like often, often sometimes someone in real life that you meet and you have really good chemistry with them, you might not like them at first because there's something about them that made there's a truth there or there's a, there's a shared kind of understanding of something. And I think the fact that Nikolai sees Alina, like he's, he, I think she feels very like seen by him in a way that, that is quite invasive for her at first, which is why she's got this big guard up and she doesn't like him and everything. But then over time, that kind of, I hand out like I see you and I see that you are important you know you're the sun summoner blah 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 um that gives her the invitation this this frightened nervous girl an invitation to be like okay you're 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 safe you know I, I sort of see her like a sort of skittish animal you know like a wild animal that you know you've got a little handful of oats <laughs> for you know and that's what he did he, he, he like reached out to her um, and I felt that that was quite a, a, a realistic uh, relationship for the two of them. Um, yeah. In in that vein as well, her relationship with power is quite interesting because she's not someone who's seeking a, to be a leader to other people, and yet that constantly ends up being the space that she's being pushed into, and, and people naturally really gravitate towards her, follow her, and trust her, and it felt like you had these little inflections of moments where you kind of allowed her to enjoy that a little bit more this season. The first season, any of those moments were quite challenging for her because it's so outside of her natural comfort zone. And so mm -hmm. what was what was the difference that you wanted to capture this season in allowing her to kind of enjoy it a little bit more and find the aspects of it that she does feel comfortable with? Yeah, well, the, Alina in the books is, is quite different in some ways. I mean, hopefully carried over a lot of, a lot of her characteristics but you know I think in the book she still very much struggles with I oh, you know I'm not this 
idol I'm not I'm not a saint you know um but I think again adding this like they wanted to add more to the character in terms of her backstory and you know her heritage and all of these things so I felt like of course many aspects of her personality are going to change and I think obviously it's in the work you know it's in the script that you know for example at the last shot of season two I think the line was something along the lines of um you know Alina does the cut and then she's looking horrified but then is that is that pride question mark um so you know kind of have to like work back from that in in some ways because if that just happened without any lead up it would feel really out of character um and so my thinking was that again she has been someone who's been so powerless and while there is a world where Alina could have continued to be this you know I don't want to be powerful I don't want this um I like the idea that actually she's a she's a human being who is flawed and who wants to be powerful wants to be heard and all of these things and actually so I thought it was important for her to revel in that power a little bit because I thought it'd be more interesting that way than to just have her constantly saying she doesn't want any of this and you know because there's only so many times a protagonist can say that I think so and I like the idea that you know again because it's always coming back to this this trauma and her past and everything and and yeah there's a world where the protagonist could have just continued to be this saintly you know I I'm I'm such a good person but I, I like that she's flawed and and maybe a bit dangerous I think it, it's more of an interesting it's just it's more of an interesting story for me um so yeah that that was interesting like working out how to sort of you know yeah <laughs> yeah and and with the fact that she has to kind of take on additional amplifiers and we get to see that that shift in that trajectory of when she takes on the second amplifier after season one, it's such a different moment and such a different experience for her. And then it feels like the way that she harnesses her power after that, obviously, you know, has to, has to really evolve to that. But even just emotionally, it's a very different space for her. She describes how she feels really different with that inside of her body than she did with just the first one. And so what did you want those changes to be? Well, yeah, so in the script, so season one, her amplifier was all about power. So the stag sort of represents like power and strength. Um, and so in the first season, I was, you know, in terms of her body language and things, I think like she starts off quite, she's always quite wobbly. I was quite wobbly on my feet. And then by the the last two episodes, I wanted her to be still, you know, steady. Um, so then when we get into season two with the, with the sea whip, for example, that is the amplifier that represents rage and which was really a really interesting. I like the fact that they were bringing in all these different things. And obviously the, the last amplifier uh, signifies love. Um, and yeah, I, I really wanted I wanted there to feel like there was a shift between these different amplifiers. Um, you know, like, for example, you know, things about Alina in terms of when she's had her sea whip amplifier, I wanted her to feel a little bit more like well, like a like a predator actually there's a couple of there's a couple of scenes it's quite funny watching it back where like so I wanted her to have this like unwavering eye contact with people that she didn't have before um so that was quite interesting to play and again that also brought up different sort of physicality like di different things with my face and voice in order to sort of I didn't want it to be too over the top but like a subtle hint like okay this is changing her 
because one of the main things that they talk about in Alina's storylines that Merzost, which Merzost, the dark magic that they um, they use, um, has a price. And I wanted it to feel like maybe something was being taken away from Alina, like her innocence or, you know, that sort of, you know, sunny disposition that you might see in the beginning of season one. I want it to feel like that's being drawn away from her. Um, and hopefully that, that comes through because it's not necessarily said ever. It's not like, we, again, like I said, we don't have a lot of time to, to talk about these things, but um, I wanted it to feel like each time she gets on these amplifiers, it, it, it changes her, but maybe not necessarily for the, for the better. Um, yeah, so that was, that was interesting. <laughs> on the on the other side of things there's also the the development and the evolution of her relationship with Mal and you and Archie kind of really beautifully capture those elements of two people who've known each other for so long who have been family to one another and even just the sense of how do we navigate through this which yeah. if you strip away all the fantasy elements it's the two of them in a room going oh gosh there's only one bed what do we do um because all of a sudden it's this completely yeah, yeah. Kind of space and so how do the two of you work together to really find those moments of what spaces does the comfort that they've always had still continue to exist? And then what are some of the spaces where they're still kind of having to like re-navigate themselves around one another? Yeah, well, I think what was nice is the fact that I, I felt like Mal and Alina did really feel like two people who knew each other really, really well. And I think luckily for me, having Archie as a scene partner, he's so brilliant. Um, and Mal is so not like Archie in any way um but I feel like I I know Mal really well and um so in a lot of the scenes you know it just it's quite funny actually because every actors have different processes and it, it's great being in Shadow and Bone and be able to work with so many different people who work in so many different ways but it's like Archie and I rarely ever talked about work as if we really talked about like okay what's this scene going to be like blah, blah 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 we would just sort of turn up and then just existed these two characters um, and always feeling this, they, they're always being drawn together. We never spoke about it, but even just in scenes that we would, we'd often look at each other exactly the same point or whatever in the scene. Um, and honestly, I think so much, it was kind of like this unspoken understanding between me and Archie of our characters and, and that they needed to feel like, yeah, I think it was important for them to feel like, um, like one entity in some ways, because that is what he is to Alina. He's, he's so much a part of who she is, um, which is why then the decision at the end for them to go their separate ways was such a huge deal, you know, because I didn't know that was going to happen until I think until we were filming. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, OK, cool. So we're working towards this you know um because you know initially my thought was when when we're reading scripts oh my they're kissing the first episode whoa, whoa hang on like this is moving really fast um but it's because we needed to, to show this relationship and how much Alina, Alina like relies on him um in order for that sort of that ending choice to be as significant as it is um but yeah no honestly I just feel really blessed because I mean with every all of cast you know they're amazing actors to work against and it's so much fun and we try loads of different things um but yeah I think the, the Alina and Mal relationship it does it it felt to me like these two people you know the, the, the kind of people who could sit in a room together in silence and have the best best day you know and that's that's the that's the feeling I wanted to have for them 
I love that. And and in talking a little bit about spoilers right at the end of the season, I did want to ask about that kind of scene where she's faced with so many different things. It's absorbing the third amplifier. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, losing Mal right in front of herself. And then it's also having to face Kirigan all in that same moment. And so how did you approach going into a scene like that that's so complex and especially with just the added element of knowing that's kind of the the final tonality of the season for people yeah that was that was (laughs) that was a lot (laughs) and we were also we were filming in the most outrageous heat as well which was just just exhausting um yeah because I mean this was two seasons of build-up for Alina um and you know and there's lots of other things that come into it like the fact that after Alina destroys the fold Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously, while in the show, in the final, um, the final product, you know, we're sort of cutting between Alina in this big moment and the fight scene that's going on at the same time. Um, but you know, the idea is that she's so completely exhausted, you know, from from just destroying the fold. It's almost like you're so spent, you're in shock. Um, which was interesting because again, like very, very different from the books. And, and you know, obviously then uh, killing Kirigan, again, very different from how it goes in the books. In the books, I think he dies in her arms and it's almost, it's almost quite touching. Whereas, you know, again, they're coming from the angle of this is a man who abused you. Um, so, you know, there's like a shot at the end where Lena's just looking down at him. And I think that yeah, the, the choice was made to just, she's just looking, she's completely in shock. Imagine this is the thing you've been building up to for so long um so yeah I mean poor girl she's been through a lot she just needs a hug (laughs) a hug and maybe a fan because it was so bloody hot after destroying the fold um yeah so it was that was quite that was quite a big big moment um and I just remember I this was towards the end this was probably one of the last weeks that we were filming those scenes and I I barely remember even shooting them to be honest (laughs) I was so tired um but I think it, it it's yeah it, I I really liked the changes that that they made. It was very interesting, like the the angle they were coming at, and obviously opening up to you know more story down the line possibly. So yeah, it was that was cool. And and in terms of of your work overall as an actor, you've talked a little bit about how going into shooting the first season of this, that at the time you'd wish that you'd had the chance to have more formal training before going into a project like this. But obviously now you've had two seasons under your belt. And I was interested in what are some of the things that you feel like you've really had the opportunity to learn and absorb through working on a show like this that you feel like even through formal training, like nobody could have taught you or prepared you for? Oh, I mean, people do say that, you know, you can go to drama school and things, but you'll never actually be prepared for the realities of filming and or or, or theatre work. But I think a lot of the stuff with filming, you know, it's incredibly high pressure scenarios you find yourself in because, you know, you think about all the money that's being spent and all the crew who are exhausted and you've just got to get this shot. We've only got two takes or whatever it may be. Um, That side of things you can't, I don't really think you can teach that. I think it is very much, you know, about what you have to learn. I mean, there's so many, I feel like I've definitely grown a lot as an actor. Um, Like I said, you know, I'd done a a bit of like, you know, National Youth Theatre, you know, like four weeks course um, and a couple of acting classes. So I I mean, I really, (laughs) really felt sort of out of my depth in, in lots of ways, but also then I felt like, no, do you know what? 
I think I, I can do this. You know, this seems to be working. Um, but genuinely so much of what I've learned, it's more about the, like the day to day of, of being on set and, you know, being an actor, looking after yourself. Like that is a lot, a lot of the takeaway from, for me has been about self-care and having boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> things like that that's stuff that you don't learn you you don't get taught that um so that's been really really helpful I think especially on a show like Shadow and Bone that is so intense it's filmed in for, for what it is it's filmed in such a short amount of time you know the the, the time pressures are really really on so it's kind of like frying pan into the fire you know <laughs> with that stuff um but there's lots of things you know I, I'd love to do more theatre um you know I think things like in the first season, um, you know, again, they, I remember they, they really wanted our first plot director, especially really wanted like an element of like naturalism. Um, I was like, I can do that, you know, but then obviously then watching it back and thinking, okay, actually there's naturalism and then there's mumbling. Um, <laughs> so maybe there's, there's a happy medium to be struck between those two um, and things like that. So it's nice. I, it's nice to be able to like look back and think like, oh, okay. Like, I can see what you're doing there, but now you you know how to approach that a bit better, whatever. And I think that's I think that's just really exciting, you know, the idea that every job you learn something. Um, so yeah, I don't necessarily feel so much like I'm completely behind. Um, but I would love to. I would love to do. Maybe I just should go and do some fun little workshops. Why haven't I done that? Maybe I'll just do some fun workshops, you know? Because I I mean I'd love to do more comedy and stuff like that as well. Um, but it's just building up that confidence and that, you know, no, I know I've got this. I can, I can definitely do this. Um, yeah. Well, I, I always really, really love watching your performance in the show. So thank you so much, Jesse. Really oh. appreciate it. <laughs> thank you.